ain't a podcast that's flyer You are now tuned in to Direct Misfire Benson, you and Selick, tell everyone to tune in Let's roll the dice, let me show you what we doing A fantasy war game, play it smart and you win What you know about the crystal pen and the retribution Hero, hero, giants and knights galore It's an adventure, this is Kings of War Let's go Day champs, and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Missive. I'm your host, Bensom, and joining me today, as always, is Selick. Hello! As well as Hugh. Yo, yo. As we discuss some more changes, which will appear in the Gamers Compendium book. So pull up a seat, grab a drink, and let's get into it. Okay. So we've gone through nine changes so far, or more like 11, 12, he's counting. There was a couple. Uh, last week, and we've got a few more to go through. Uh, okay, let's make it short and sweet. I'm going to start off with my next change, which is magic. There's not a lot of changes with magic, and everyone knows that um, post Shadow Beast was probably a bit too good, especially on goblin characters. So it looks like the RC have decided to just nerf it completely and make sure it's not taking it at all. So what is the change? Basically, the points drop to uh, 15, 20, 25 points, depending on the spellcast level. And the effect is now that if you score any success with that spell, then your character that you're casting it on gets three, four, or five weirdo attacks, uh, depending on the spellcast level. Uh, and that happens before your normal attacks, and they hit on threes with crushing three. So, ah, so three, you four, get five like extra attacks. A few uber attacks. Yeah. So you can effectively make your spellcasters a little bit combaty, so they can actually get that wound on a flying character now. Yeah, it seems like a pretty rare take. I, I could see it in an army, which you don't see very often, but an army that has like a handful of different wizards. Uh, because then you you wouldn't take it as your only spell on that wizard either. You'd have lightning bolt or heal or bane chant or something. But then every now and then, like if you had three individuals that are sort of floating around, none of whom do much damage, it could in a pinch be kind of handy. You know, chuck them in, do a few hits. Um, but I, I do kind of feel like most characters that will benefit significantly from those extra attacks, i.e. they've got bugger all attacks to begin with, like one five up to hit attack like a wizard, mm. The downside is that you don't really want them in combat anyway and planning for them to be in combat mm. and then spending another piece to make them hit to do like three or four damage, you know, might not be worthwhile. Mm. So come to think mm-hmm. of it, maybe it's better on like your Warlord style characters, like your, you know, guys that have about five attacks already because all of a sudden they become a bit of a threat. Yeah. Mm. Not super different to just lightning bolting a unit though, is it really? No, that's right. And lightning's a lot more versatile. I mean, you're much more guaranteed to do one or two points of damage, but if you're casting it with a low-level um, caster, you only get two dice, so it's not guaranteed to go off in the first place. True. And it's worth pointing out as well that it's never doubled, it's never like tripled if it's in the flank or the rear. Yeah, it's only ever three, four, or five additional attacks. Because you can still only cast it on individuals, right? That's right. Yeah. Friendly individuals or self, I guess... There's a bit of a um, query as to whether or not uh, your chunky mages, say like a vampire on a Pegasus, which is no longer individual, 
uh, can still cast it because it says self, and like, can they cast it on themselves? Even in combat, you can't normally cast in combat either. You can, yeah, yeah, you can with this one. Yeah, it's called out. Yeah, that sounds good. If- yeah, given the wording though, you would assume that it can be cast on that. If it's never doubled, never tripled, if it was only on an individual, then why would you ever say that? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I think it's a good change. Uh, I thought it was a little bit wonky. Uh, that rule at the start? It was effectively useless unless you had a very specific kind of circumstance in which you kind of tried to broke it, like with like with Grony Snark. And if you're, you, you're welcome. If you're not breaking it, it's crap, <laughs> believe me. Even trying to break it, break in, in large quotation marks, it with like duelist assassins, it's still not good. Like, yeah, I agree. It's totally not agree good at all. <laughs> so you might as well replace it with something that has some degree of utility. Who knows? Maybe someone will think of some creative uses for it. That's it. What's on your first uh Oh, wait, leaks? I'm not finished. Oh, you're not finished? I'm not finished. I'm going to ah. still continue on with the magic because there's one other change, and that's to something that no one ever takes, and that's the incantation of the Tempest. What is that one? Like, I'm sure you don't know because you probably wouldn't have taken it either. That's true. So basically, the original rule <laughs> was that uh, it's like a, a unique upgrade, and before casting any spells, you roll one die. If you've got a four plus, then you can re-roll all your misses, but... If you didn't get a four plus, then that wizard is now disordered and can't cast any spells. So it's a 50-50 of being uh, crap or not. Well, the change, they've made it less crap, but it's still not going to be taken. Uh, Basically, now, if you don't get that four up, you just have to re-roll all your hits instead of being disordered. Oh, so it's useless. makes it slightly harder to cast. You got a 50% chance of making your attack significantly better but you've also got a 50 percent chance of making it do like border like close to zero when you reroll all your hits that's really really bad why perfect question <laughs> uh it's i actually thought about this when i had a look at this rule change and i sat down and said when would i ever take this and when would it ever be good and i can only ever i can only ever come up with two potential outlying situations so mm-hmm. one is that mm-hmm. giant surge that you need because if you miss it by mm. one inch, it doesn't matter. Uh, but if you get it, it ch- could change the game. So like we're talking like a nine-inch charge uh, surge, for example, to win the game in turn six, seven. So that's one. So And the only other one is if you've got a large number of dice that you're rolling, say, with fireball, uh, once again on a turn six or seven where you're trying to crack a unit to win the game. But... Would you ever pay 10 points for those two sort of situations? And feel free to jump in if you've got any other situations that might be. So you're saying those kind of clutch situations where you need an above average role. So you're kind of, you're basically planning or hedging, not necessarily planning, but you're hedging against, with 10 10 points is just a hedge. Like it's not like you're investing a lot, but you're you're hedging against that situation where you need that above average role uh, and you are. Uh, almost undeniably increasing your chances of that happening because you've got a 50-50 of making it way more likely. Uh, Of course, you've got a 50-50 of making it virtually impossible at the same time. Like if you need eight on your surges and you don't roll that four plus, forget about it. You're not getting eight after you re-roll all your successes. (laughs) Given how precious points are in this game, I think that's a pretty long bow to draw because you've always got Mm. 10 points, can always be spent on some... Magic items, even two five-point magic items, which are, mm. you know, have a higher chance of affecting the game. I think, and I think 
I think that's where this item or this upgrade is always going to fall over. If you have a look at any sort of competitive list writing, 10 points is massive. Seems kind of fun though. Yep. So bet it's not five points, just for a fun factor kind of. All right. So they're my choices. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Hugh. The fourth leaky leak. Um, I'm thinking I'll touch on my two of my favorite units from the Northern Alliance. Um this is the pack hunters and the icekin hunters, kind of grouping them together because, you know, they're pretty similar and they have the same change. Both of them have uh, minus 10 points from what they were before. Um, you may, the astute listeners with a long memory, might recall that we talked to Kyle um, quite some time ago. How long ago was that, guys? Six months many or moons, more? Many moons, many oh. moons. Um, uh, and one of the I things I raised was what I'd love to see in Kings of War is a bit of a bar for a change in some way to some of those units which I find really cool, which are those kinds of scout units, for lack of a better term, like your dwarf rangers, your, uh, dare I say it, ratkin scurriers, those kinds of units <laughs> to make them a little bit more viable because their problem with virtually every army, and there are one or two exceptions, um, Gladestalkers I think being the big one, which uh, had, a, had a reverse nerf, uh, a reverse buff, which I think is, mm. is termed as a nerf. Um, so the Ice King Hunters and the Pack Hunters <laughs> are an example of that, where they've got too many rules um, and they pay for all of those rules, but it's difficult to get them all to translate to effectiveness on the table. So what you end up with a lot of the time is like a slightly positioned further forward regiment of fairly mediocre troops that cost a lot of points uh, and often have a low mm. defense and just die. So... I feel like that's always been their problem. They're not terrible. They're just like slightly under the curve in lots of armies. And this is an example of that. So both the elite ones, the ice skin hunters and the not so elite spear chucker kind of characters, the pack hunters, uh, 10 point decrease. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, a, it's not the biggest decrease in the world, but I think it's enough that we might see them a little bit more, uh, which I think would be cool because I think they're both cool units. Hmm. Sounds if good. only the scurry has also got a similar treatment. Never mind. Next time. <laughs> No, you've got to wait to uh, version 4 for that one. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. <laughs> All right, so like, what are you bringing to the table? Um, just bringing the best uh, allied unit in the game. That's uh, what I'm bringing. Ooh. Any guesses? What one's that? Um, uh, grotesques? No. Probably a Night Stalker unit. No, no, they're all rubbish compared to this unit. Mm. So it's uh, Kingdoms of Men. Beast Cav. What? So, yeah, what? I know. What? I know. Hold the press, people. Uh, so it used to be an, an okay unit, I guess. Um, and once again, it's not irregular, so you could ally it in. But there was a couple of weaknesses inside it um, that you always were chasing. Uh, the first one being Indomitable Will. Um, so it could inspire itself, potentially, or get out of wavering. So that would have been a, a handy one. And the second one there is uh -huh. that one of its upgrades that it had was like gain Thunderous Charge 1 and Vicious for uh, like mm. 10 and 20 points, but it couldn't take it with the fly option that it also got. Take away that cannot take it with fly. So now it can be Thunderous and Vicious, obviously, and it can also take Indomitable Will. So it now becomes mm. the ultimate allied unit, I think. And it hasn't changed points at all. Yeah, it sounds powerful mm. and probably easy to justify enough with some kind of cool conversion for your army or something, I guess. Yeah, Scary I guess, yeah, as you were saying, if uh, allies are allowed in your your gaming group and or tournament scene, 
That's it. Because that's that's changed now. They've sort of recommended that um, allies are not, therefore, competitive play. Yeah. So, um, th- yeah, that is an interesting little little tidbit that they've just changed the wording, haven't they? Not the rules, but the wording for allies. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you can still take it. It's just not recommended. Yeah. Let's 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 perhaps not do this for competitive play. It's for it's for funsies and theme. Um, and if you do it at a competitive event, it might be allowed, but you also might get arrested by the theme police. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure there's wording enough. in there. I don't know. I haven't looked too del- uh, too deep into that one. All right. Uh, let's get on to my next change. I think I've already said three, but we're going to go for another one. This one's a bit more obscure, and this is to do with uh, the way that multi-charges work. At the moment, it's not easy to try and get, say, two hordes into a regiment, um, especially if there's like a, a troop sitting in the way blocking a flank or whatnot. Now it is going to be a lot easier. Basically, it's been worded so uh, if one unit's already engaged, it can sort of slide all the way over to fit the other one in. So it makes it a lot easier to get those uh, big chunky units into a multi-charge, which will sort of change up play style, I think. It will make it... Uh, easier for newcomers, um, and I'm sure that the mm. veterans will be able to take full advantage of that as well. I'm all over this. This is great because my ratkin yep. with like three or four hordes in every army um, just opens up yeah. uh, the ability to flank a lot better and really we, and feel like you're kind of surrounding them with a million bodies, mm. you know, which uh, was always a little bit awkward before because they were too busy marching in perfectly even ranks, I guess. Yeah, so I think the mm. I think it's great uh, this change. Uh, I think it makes it a lot more simple. There was so many, so much conjecture around. Oh, is that fifty percent? What's the shared frontage? Um, and it got into those really grey areas, right? Oh, it got messy. Yeah. It got yeah. messy. But now it's just like, yeah, they can both have a legal charge if they charge individually. Yeah, sweet. Just get them in. Hmm. Yep. And that's why I picked it. Yeah, <laughs> just get them pick. in. That's a that's a good uh, philosophy, really, in general. For the for that kind of rule making, like just get him in there. Don't worry about if there's like a rock that's slightly ajar and blocking the 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 pass the passage of your three hundred troop regiment. Like, get him in there. <laughs> or or that like five minutes of faffing about trying to get the, the units in there because you know it can happen, but it's all about which order. Um, yeah. The unit charges. It's no, just just do it. Just get him in. <laughs> yeah. Square bases are challenging. Much, guys. Much, you got a simple one. It's pretty hard to write a rule that basically just translates to just get them in. It's surprisingly hard. Games Workshop tried it for eight <laughs> editions and didn't get it right. Um, all right. Yeah, so true. I guess the next one is uh, one of mine then, Benson. Yep, sure. Go for it. I'm keen to have a quick talk about uh, chariots. Undead Worm, minus 35 points. Amazing, really good discount. Take them. Chariots, though, more interesting um, because <laughs> chariots almost across the board got a bit of a discount. We kind of teased that last episode that yep. that might have happened when we were talking about cavalry and things in general. And I'm curious because I never see chariots, or, or at least mm. extremely rarely. I think uh, my man Yan takes them every now and again in his Empire of Dust army. I see like yep. a, a regiment mm-hmm. or two. Uh, but other than him, I can't recall a time I have ever really seen a chariot regiment on the table let I alone a horde or a legion you might be might be lucky with orcs because they've got the fight wagons which are technically chariots good point actually i have seen that i did forget about that i've seen a couple of 
like weird orc armies with massive legions of chariots. <laughs> but in any case, they're, they're indisputably yeah. rare. Uh, and they've taken quite yes, a yeah. significant hike, uh, hike downwards, I suppose, in uh, price. Yeah. For example, the elf war chariots are minus 10, minus 15, minus 20, minus 20, you know, uh, as we scale up their size. Uh, so the, the hordes minus 20, the legions also minus 20. Um, and that's a pretty significant decrease. But also we've got to remember, as you pointed out before the cast, Selic, uh, we have, of course, lost Makwa and his little farm of <laughs> insecty friends. So that means mm. the your legion of chariots, which will no doubt still have the boots of, uh, of, of strideriness attached to them, um, have only got one mm-hmm. chance. And then after that... Um, that thunderous is going bye bye. So, do you yeah, think? Massive. I suppose my question yes. is: Do you think that people will take them more now? Like, uh, do we, do we expect to see them a bit more, or do you think this is not enough? Or what's the problem with chariots? Um, I think with the auto sliding change that Benson just mentioned, that's going to help them out oh, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's a good point. That um, also helps them a mm-hmm. lot. I also think that the troop size is going to get a little bit better because the troop is now like a perfect square. And the way that the charge mm-hmm. rules have changed now, um, so because they're always height three or four, some of them, they'll be able to pivot on the spot and charge. Um, so I think you'll still be able to do some of that. So these points increase, I think, would be pretty handy. I, I like it. Hopefully we see more. Mm. Yeah. Well, a legion is a massive base in what usually approximately 20 attacks. Mm. I think it's too big. Seems, the seems a bit um, off, but yeah. No change to tunnel runners, though, rat can players, sadly. They're still the same. But they were they were already good, so they didn't need to change. <laughs> That's it. Definitely it's... only talking about three changes, though. Definitely. <laughs> Limited. I think we're at like nine now. Yeah, we're <laughs> it's been a long three. Uh, so mine is actually, once again, following my theme from last uh, cast, is a uh-huh. bit of a nerf. So one of my more favoured nerfs. Uh, so this one here was at the end of the last additional, this Last Clash of Kings, there we go. The Soul Flayers became like the talk of the month, the fad. Uh, so they've actually gone from speed 10 down to speed 8. Um, I, they've got a bit, little bit heavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all for it. Mm. They're still pretty good. Yeah, still but very good. But it does help like being able to kick that speed down a bit. Yeah, it makes it more manageable though as an opponent when you don't just have like multiple units that have speed 10 that are just, you know, really hard to counter. Um, this gives mm. you a little bit more mm. counterplay without actually making the unit bad. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a good thing for the overall list. Well, if you're obviously taking soul flares, it's not good. But, um, yeah, for the opposition, <laughs> I think it's good. Uh, just less board control for an army that already has good board control and strength. All right. So let's get on to my last change. Uh, now, I'm not going to mention that Soul Reaver Infantry gets a, a attack drop, but also a points drop. And I'm not going to mention that um, the Kaizen All Lancers for the Salamanders also get a bit of a price drop for their regiment. That's what instead I'm going to talk about is the a couple of, I think it's more um, cleaning and tidying things up. Uh, for the Gargoyles, uh, for the Abyssals and Abyssal Dwarfs, you used to be able to take the um, Basusu's Vile Brood as an option, as a unique gargoyle troop option now that change is sort of rolled into just your standard gargoyles now it's just an option to upgrade a unit to that sort of thing and that also happens with the um, goblins with their uh, their dogs the more puffs uh or more beast pack i think it's the technical term um, 
they they can now get the option to upgrade to the Morgans, which is the uh, no no longer um, irregular and gives them extra defense, that kind of thing. So yeah, just getting rid of those units and rolling them into their respective unit entries. I Makes think that's sense. Nice. It's a bit cleaner. Mm. Mm. Yeah, like those, um, like we said about the giant. It's nice to have some upgrades uh, on units that make them feel like they're a bit different um, in how you want to take them without other than magic items which we already have it's all good I think mm-hmm. so so uh, I think Q you've got another one don't you I do indeed uh, so my last one was also rules change uh, it's a pretty subtle one but I think it's a useful one uh, and that's changing the way that cover works sort of I mean not really. The cover works in more or less the same way, but it's kind of just cleaning up the wording of it. So there's mm. two types yep. of cover now. You can either be obscured or concealed. Uh, they both have the same effect, minus one to hit, just like cover from before. Uh, it's just that certain, the, in effect, the difference will be some things might ignore obscured and some things might ignore concealed. But uh, as far as we can tell, nothing ignores both. Um, so against things yeah. that ignore obscured, you can try to get your unit concealed and still get the, the cover and vice versa. So I suppose that's, that's slightly more tactical, uh, but more than anything, what it does is just clean up the rules. So before when a unit was in cover and you were shooting it at, with something that has ignores cover, it didn't always ignore cover. What it actually ignored is what is now called obscured. So units obscured, if, the frontage that you're shooting at, if 50% or more of it is uh, out of line of sight, like you can't see 50% of that frontage. So wherever your leader point is, basically you're shooting a unit in the flank, half of it's covered, half or more of it is covered by hill. Too bad, you get, you're in cover. Uh, and the same with other units that might be obscuring your line of sight. So that's the same as cover worked before. Um, and it's still got the stipulation where if you're over three height difference, no good. So your goblin can't, you know, give your giant cover just because you can't see the giant's ankle and that kind of thing. Um, Mm. So that's the same as it was before. Uh, However, being in a piece of terrain, so 50% or more of your base being in a obscure or a concealing piece of terrain, (laughs) like a forest or something like that, in that circumstance, you're not just sort of, you're not obscured, you're actually concealed. So most war machines have ignore that this is the main time it comes into play there's probably other times guys that you might be able to think of but most war machines ignore obscured which is the same it's actually exactly the same as it was before which used to be you ignore cover from intervening obstacles and troops and stuff but you don't ignore cover if you're shooting at a regiment that's chilling in a forest that's how it used to work before it was just called ignores cover and that was confusing because it didn't always ignore the cover now you ignore obscured, but you don't ignore concealed, which is a lot cleaner. Um, the only thing that yes. kind of sucks about and it is I- that if ignoring, if you ignore concealed, it's quite useless because we all know that the far more frequent type of cover is obscured versus concealed. Actually being like fully in a concealing terrain piece is relatively rare, but having things in the way of what you're trying Forest, to shoot basically. is super common and happens almost all the time. So ignoring concealed is kind of crappy <laughs> and ignoring obscured is basically the same as it was before. That's my take mm. on it anyway. What do you think? No, I think it's good. I mean, just the way that they're cleaning it up is good. 
Um, and I'm just going through the all the lists to see which ones ex ignore uh, concealed. So we've got the Iron Belcher cannon for the dwarfs. Uh, we've got the Kingdoms of Men cannon and the Ratkin Shredder. So they're the only three war engines that do it. Yeah, and I'm not sure why specifically they chose those ones. Maybe they wanted it to feel like maybe that's like a shrapnel shooting style of weapon. Like I'm not sure like fluff wise how they how they say yeah that's that ignores like a foresty sort of like a foliage style terrain or a wall perhaps. Um, mm. Wait, a wall's obscured or concealed? I think that's obscured, actually. Never mind. If if it's behind <laughs> something, it's obscured. If it's in something, it's concealed. It's not a huge deal, but it's mm. there. There is one other tiny little tweak that they've made, and I'm not sure whether it's just tidying up the language around it or whether it's an actual change inside the concealed side. Uh, so historically, so mm -hmm. in King's War 3rd Edition and all the riders after that, if you were a giant and you got half of your base inside any difficult terrain, you would mm -hmm. then be provided cover. Because it wasn't a intervening unit or terrain piece that would block it. So obviously if that wall situation that you were just saying, Hugh, obviously mm -hmm. the giant would not get cover from the tiny little wall. Mm -hmm. But if it got into a pond, it would, because it had half of its base inside the difficult terrain. Now, the change there is that They've added a little bit more onto it. So now it works exactly the same. So if you're a giant and you're in a pond, uh, you don't get the cover because that would have been a height zero or a height one pond, difficult terrain. Yeah, okay, good point. Yeah, so the concealed, um, the concealing nature of the terrain only works when you have uh, a height difference of less than three. That's right. Um, yeah, which is, again, a super unlikely scenario because, again, the <laughs> only really common type of concealing terrain is a forest, which has a really high height. But you're right, that that's basically yeah. a change to ponds. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of. <laughs> so as soon as you go into like paddocks and things like that, so you would have seen those. Maybe this will foster change so that uh, in players' packs and tables, they'll start introducing this like height to ground cover. Mm. To make things more obscured, uh, sorry, concealed. Ugh. Yeah, maybe the the two words. codifying of the different types of cover will actually mean that people change what they call terrain and like whether it's concealing or not and stuff a little bit. Uh, that could be interesting yeah. actually if they do do that. I mean, for me, I'm very mildly miffed. I don't care too much, guys, but mildly <laughs> miffed that my um, shredder effectively got a soft nerf because it wasn't the most powerful unit in the world anyway, and I kind of liked it and I felt like I was the only Ratkin player going around that actually used them because um, claw shots are just like slightly better for the points, it seems like, and don't require an unlock. Good eye. All right, Sally. All right. Home. So my last one, I was going to talk about the Lord on a Frostfang going from Crushing Strength 3 down to Crushing Strength 2 plus Thunderous Charge 1, but he's got Strider, so it doesn't really matter at all. Uh, so I went for... <laughs> right. I'm the... glad you're not talking about that then. Definitely not talking about that one. Uh, but I... We'll now talk about uh, the Elf Noble War Chariot Hero. Um, nobody ever took him because he was rubbish. It's a very slight change, um, but I think it's a good change. So he went from Thunderous Charge 2 back to Thunderous Charge 1 and Crushing Strength 1. Um, so he's got just that little bit more stability, I guess, inside, or reliability inside his charges now. I like it. Good change. Uh, stays the same points. 
same same movement, everything else, uh, just that tiny little tweak. Checks out. He's probably only got a couple of horses on his chariot, so he's only like moderately thunderous, but he's probably also holding a big old hefty halberd or a great axe or something like that. So mm. crush, yeah, checks out. Yep. Um, there is one yep. more thing that we do need to check out, though. Did Hero Hero get right. inspiring? Oh, I don't Let, think let's so. Let's just bring it up. That's something that I've got the Kingdoms of Men. I'm looking Unless at Unless Benson now. missed it, which is possible, but unlikely. All right, here we go. Ready? Ooh, this is surprising. No, it isn't. He's still not inspiring. <laughs> He's still not an inspirational hero. Good job, Mantic. Version 4. What's <laughs> surprised the they didn't just, doing? I'm not surprised they didn't give him inspiring, but I am surprised they didn't just change the name of it just to annoy you. Hero, hero. <laughs> just call him like Jeff or something now. Jeff. Oh, unique, unique hero, Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't. I can't complain about this anymore. I've spent too much energy. I need to move <laughs> on. <laughs> um, just before we do wrap up, though, um, good. I think this is really good information. Um, there has been. Have you seen the new box set, the two-player box set with the new book that's sort of been unfortunately leaked? Um, no. Yeah. So check it out. What, There's a, a nice new box set that's coming out. Unfortunately, it was leaked before Mantic could actually have the formal sort of celebration of the release, which I think is really disappointing um, on on the behalf of the people that have leaked it. But um, yeah, the box set itself is really, really good. Like good value. What is uh, it? Who's in uh, the box? So, who's in the box? Uh, so it's the new Ogre units that did not miss leg Ooh. day uh, and the okay. new um, Empire of Dust. Oh, okay. Interesting choice. Nice. Yeah, so uh, all good miniatures. Um, new book comes with it, naturally. Um, so, yeah, check it out when it does get sort of officially released. Obviously not mm. as good as the Ratkin versus Goblins box, but um, still, you know, that's a, it's a good effort. I, I think those kinds of boxes are mm. always great, especially if you're getting new players into the game. So, happy news. Yeah, I, I, we should wrap it up, but I feel bad for the armies that we haven't said anything about. So, I'll just quickly just... Like rapid fire here. How about uh, Trident Realm? What do you get? Your damn busters. They've just gone down five and ten points depending on the size. Uh, where else have we got? We've got <laughs> uh, we've done Night Stalkers, done Northern Alliance. You've gone through Kings of Man. We've done Halflings, uh, Force of Nature. We've done that. Beast of Nature goes up ten points, gains nimble as standard. Wing, wing upgrades negative ten points. Look at that. Here's a present <laughs> for you. Uh, what else have we got? Brother Mark, Order of the Abyssal Hunt, that's down five points, gains cleanse. Good job. Uh, that'll do. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Buy the book, it's great. Could not agree more. Buy the book, get it yourself, uh, and, and play and play and play. Um, it's honestly sure worth it be... just for the rules clarification alone and just getting everything in the same place. Like the the balance yes. changes are kind of neither here nor there in my in my book. I like them because they freshen up the game a little bit. But the reason to buy the book for me is just you know having it all there, nice and convenient. Yep. And and the other thing that I have to call out because it goes against everything in my being is Mantic let you play with whatever miniatures you play with, three D print, uh, Warhammer Fantasy sort of passengers that have sort of come on they do everything for you in that player sense do you mean the it one thing that capitalist you... soul cringe that yeah effect? it does but <laughs> i think that if you can do one thing just buy the book and support mantic that are supporting you yeah i think that's a good call i mean yeah 
we many of us don't play with that many i mean i've got all the ratkin mantic models of course but um many of us don't play with a heap of mantic models for one reason or another frequently the reason is because their unit doesn't have a model um, which i'd love for them to work on a little bit more particularly finishing some of those ranges um, but it's worth supporting the, the the company that puts the game out that you enjoy um, and if you're not doing that at all uh, i don't know i think that's kind of rubbish it's like going into a cafe and eating your lunch and you know drinking a coffee that you brought from home and you know, then asking them to clean up after you a bit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That's, sounds yep. uncomfortable. Good analogy. Mm. <laughs> All right, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in with my team. Make sure you follow on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, indeed, more than a game. It's a lifestyle, yes, sir. Hope you realize that the math hammer doesn't work. <laughs> we give the people what they desire. Australian war gaming podcast, direct misfire. You don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, we got plenty more. If you're ready, let's go. Stay tuned, that's for sure. Hey.